All right, well, my goal today is to make the story of David and Goliath your favorite Christmas story from here on out. It probably won't happen. (laughs) I want to ask you a question as as we begin today. Um, What if we lived our life knowing that God was with us 24-7? How would life look different if, if that reality was something we remembered throughout the day, something we reflected on when we woke up in the morning? I would say that, that David knew this reality very well. As we read in places like Psalm 139 and other Psalms as well, David knew that his God was with him 24-7. And today we see it on the most notable of occasions, familiar with many of us, that God is with David. From the fields of being a shepherd to the battlefield against the God-defying Goliath, God is with David. And David knew it very well. My prayer today is that we would know that as God's people, that God is with us. And so as we begin last week to, to take, actually the last couple of weeks, to take this journey through some old and some familiar texts that speak of God being with us and how Christmas we will obviously end it with Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. I, I want us to see the presence of God with, with David and along the lines how God chooses the weak, the humble, the little, the small things, the unlikely, like David, and even the young, like David. But not only just the young, even the older as well. That he chooses those that may even seem insignificant, and he does something. He uses them to put on display his glory, his majesty. And we see that in this text today. And so let's look at this old, great story Um, and gather some lessons uh, for us along the way. I want to get you caught up with 1 Samuel. If you haven't maybe read the story in a a while, I I will say this, studying it this week, um, there were some new things that came to the surface that I really hadn't thought about uh, when it comes to David and uh, what was going on in Israel, and especially in the battle against Goliath. But if you would, uh, look at 1 Samuel 16. We're going to look through this text, not through every verse, but we're going to dip down every now and then and and read a few verses this morning. But I want to get you caught up. And and what I want you to first see this morning is simply the faithfulness of David. David, living in the reality that God is with him, I, I want you to see his simple faithfulness. You see, the Israelites, they wanted a king. As part of their history, they cried out for a king as they rejected God as their king. And this burdened God's heart and also God's prophet, Samuel. It burdened him as well. But Samuel listened to God as God told him to do as the people said. And a king by the name of Saul was placed in the position over uh, Israel. And so Saul, though, we know, did not obey God. He didn't trust in God. Uh, And so God no longer wanted Saul to be king of Israel. So God told Samuel to go and to find another king. Go and to anoint another 
king. And this all while Saul is still king. In fact, we see in 1 Samuel 16 that Samuel is a little afraid of this action. Uh, but God reassures him uh, to move forward. And so what did God tell Samuel to do? He told Samuel to go to a gentleman by the name of Jesse. He told him to go to Jesse, who was in a city by the name of Bethlehem. Sound a little familiar? Because God had a king that he wanted to anoint. And so God uh, told Samuel to go, and he went, and he would select a king from a selection of sons. In fact, Jesse had eight sons, to be exact. Uh, And so Samuel went to Bethlehem, and he saw Jesse there. And he saw the oldest in the scripture, it tells us, his name is Eliab. And he thought, surely, this is God's next king. He's the oldest of Jesse's sons. But listen to how God responds as Samuel believes this is him. In chapter 16, verse 7, God tells Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, Eliab, for God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God, the Lord, looks at the heart. Samuel thought, surely this must be the one. But God says, hold on a second. I don't just look at the outward appearance. I don't just look at the fact that this is the oldest one. I don't just look at his stature. But God looks at the heart. God looks within. God looks deeper. He looks at character. He looks at our affections. He looks at uh, the attitude of our heart. And so God has his choosing. And he directs Samuel to keep looking. So Jesse's other sons passed by, but Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen these. And so Samuel asked if this was it. Can you imagine that? All right? Samuel comes to Jesse, bring, bring your sons. But yet, hey, none of these are going to cut it. God hasn't chosen to anoint these. And so he says, is there another? And Jesse says, there is one who remains, in verse 11, who is the youngest. And behold, he is tending sheep. And so Samuel said, send for him, bring him here. And so David was a shepherd, and he was simply being faithful Intending the sheep, and when the call came for him to head to Bethlehem, he came to Samuel. And there the Lord says to him in verse 13, Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed David in the midst of his brothers. Imagine the scene. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. He was the youngest, a teenager, Jesse's son. He was the unlikely one. But God, by his sovereign choice, chose him. Not based on any kind of outward appearance, not based on his position in the family. He was the youngest, but based on God's sovereign choice, based on God's choosing, based on David's heart. We see some inclination here of his maybe affections for God, his attitude toward God. But ultimately, this was God's choosing. I want us to pause right there. Here you have David. David's not some bum, right? In fact, David is a man, right? A man of valor, we learn in the scriptures. He's a man of integrity. He, he's a man um, that is strong. Scripture says he's a handsome man. So this isn't some just bum, right, um, that God chooses here. Um, but he was the youngest. He was a shepherd, right? 
And here you have these, these other sons that are, that are brought forth. And, and so this is the unlikely one, the unlikely one. But God chooses him. You see, sometimes in life, um, we may think that at times, maybe we're maybe not significant. Maybe we think we're insignificant. Maybe we think we're weak. Maybe we think maybe we don't matter. I mean, sometimes thoughts like that go. Maybe we think well, we're too young, or maybe we think we're, we're getting too old. Whatever it may be, we, we struggle with thoughts and maybe feelings like that. Maybe we think we just don't cut it. But I want you to think how God thinks. God says this in his word. One of my favorite scriptures in the Old Testament, especially one of my favorite scriptures in 2 Chronicles, in chapter 16, verse 9, listen to how God rolls. It says, The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may do this, and I love this, strongly support those whose heart is completely his. That's what God's looking for. You may think in comparison to other people, based on certain things, that maybe you don't, you don't cut it, but what is God looking for? God is looking for a heart that's completely his. That's what he's after. That's what he wants. He wants our hearts. And that's how he comes to, to strengthen and to support. Is a heart after him. And so David, this unlikely one, was anointed by the Lord as king, but Saul is still king. Imagine that setting and those circumstances. And so David went back to what? Shepherding. And Saul, though, it tells us in chapter 16, verse 14 and all, that the spirit of the Lord departed from him, and an evil spirit from the Lord came and terrorized, taunted Paul. So Saul's servants thought of an idea. We're going to find somebody to come and, and help Saul through these times when the spirit comes and terrorize him. And so David comes on the scene again. There's this one who says, hey, listen, in verse 18, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech, and a handsome man, and the Lord is with him. And so amazing, David would go from shepherding the sheep from his flock, and he would go when he would be called on to go help the king, who was a position that he was eventually going to take. And he would go and play the harp before the king. And so here you have David, a shepherd boy, but also a very talented musician, where God even used his gifts of being able to play the harp before the king. And so this is David. And what do we see? What I love about this is we see his simple faithfulness. Simple faithfulness. Here he knows, I'm anointed to be the next king of Israel. Wow. Goes back shepherds the flock, but he comes before the king and plays the harp. He's simply faithful. At the same time, there was a battle brewing. Enemy had, uh, Israel had its enemies, and one of them was the Philistines. David read, or excuse me, Kevin uh, read about this this morning in chapter 17. This enemy proposed a battle against the Israelites. And as we think about battles back then, they were fought a little different than they are today. Um, armies would pick a warrior or a champion uh, from their people to fight against another from the enemy's camp. And so you had these two warriors that would go up against each other. And when the warrior won, the whole army would win. And this was great for the Philistines because they had this uh, guy, Goliath, who was nine feet 
tall at least. He was all decked out with armor weighing in like 200 pounds and the head of his spear itself at about 25 pounds. So can you imagine that coming at you? It was an imposing sight. But who would Israel pick? The Philistines had their guy, but who would Israel pick? And so Saul seemed, it would seem, like the natural choice. That your king, tall in stature, that he would go. But what do we see with Saul throughout this whole story is he is one who stays in the background. And so it seems like an impossible task for the Israelite. And this giant would come morning and evening for 40 days, we're told, taunting the Israelites. And some of David's brothers were in this battle. Three of Jesse's sons were there. And so Jesse, David's dad, said, David, I I want you to go and check on my boys. The three that are there. David's dad was getting old in age. And so he said, send them food and, and bring news back to me on how they are doing. So could you imagine that? Bring news back to me. It's interesting, the news that he's going to eventually receive. David did just as his dad told him. He left the flock to somebody else. We read in chapter 17 to keep the sheep, and he went to check on his brothers to take them food. Again, what is David doing? Simply being faithful. I want to show you this this morning because I think that's what God wants from us. With whatever he's given us, he wants us to simply be faithful. The Bible tells us in Psalm 37, verse 3, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. The idea of faithfulness is that we would center our lives on God, that we would trust in him, that we would do what is right, that we would be men and women of integrity. And that's who David was as a shepherd, He cultivated faithfulness. As a heart player willing to go before the king whose place he was going to take, he was faithful. To his father, he was faithful. We see faithfulness to God. Now, while he's there, it's amazing how God orchestrates things, and he puts David into place, and while he's there visiting his brothers in the battlefield, he hears this giant, Goliath, shouting, And what does he hear? Look at verse 8 of chapter 17. It says, The giant stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then he will become your servants. But, If I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that he may fight, that we may fight together. Now, when he defies the ranks of Israel, ultimately, what does that mean? It it means he defies Israel's God. So he's not just taunting the men of Israel here. He's taunting God. He's scorning the glory of God. And so David is brought to the battlefield to hear this. And so here's this simple, faithful young man. And he's at the battlefield, and and what we see come to the surface is David's heart. We see what's underneath. We, We see 
what fuels his faithfulness. We see a heart that is passionate after God, even when others are not. Now look at chapter 17, verse 24. Here is David on the scene. Everyone is being able to hear Goliath for these many days. And so how will Israel respond? Look at verse 24. When all the men of Israel saw the man, Goliath, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The men of Israel said, have you not seen this man who's coming up? Surely he is coming to defy Israel, David says. And it will be, or excuse me, uh, the men said, and it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. That means tax-free. That'd be pretty cool. Your property taxes, everything, hey, listen, taken care of. What a deal. And so there's incentive here. But what do we see? The men are afraid. They are cowards. But what about David? Here he is, just came on the scene. He's hearing this. He's there simply to do a a job, to give food to his brothers, to, to bring news back to his dad. And so he sees this. He sees the fear of Israel. He hears Goliath. And look at verse 26. David spoke to the men who were standing by him and said this, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Uncircumcised Philistine meant that this guy was not part of God's covenant people, right? And that he was defiant toward God and also God's people as well. So who is this guy? That he should taunt the armies of the living God. So Goliath's taunts, his accusations, they scorned the glory of God. And when no one stepped up to defend God's name, because what are they doing? They are fleeing. Nobody's stepping up. And what does that do? It makes God look weak. And so David would not tolerate that. He would have nothing to do with it. I want to pause right there because I, I love verse 26. And, and I love what's happening here. you got these men that are afraid and nobody will step up to the task. I mean, what are, what are men that are in armies supposed to do? <laughs> they, don't, they don't run from their enemy. They run toward their enemy. How much of this is, is like our day when you think about the day we live in? We live in a battle. People opposed to God and to to His glory, to His truth, to the gospel, to His Son. Who will stand? Who are the men who who will stand up and say, we will not tolerate this anymore? But yet we see men who are just fearful. We see Christians who we're fearful today as well. And so, what does that mean for you and I? Fear is a real thing. David, in the Psalms, we see David, there were times he struggled with fear. We see that. We see Jesus telling us, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Fear is a real deal. It is a, a real deal. And we see it here with, with these guys. 
But we're to take a stand. We're to not to be afraid. We're, we're not to run. Now, our battle looks different. Um, in, in our day, we, our Goliath, I would propose, is as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, our, our lofty opinions that are raised against the knowledge of God. It's indwelling sin. It, it's a spiritual battle. We'll talk more about that in a second, but, but in our day, it's, it's the lofty opinions that are coming every way, opposing the truth of God. And so what do we do? What do we do? Are we like the army of Israel here, fearful, not wanting to do anything, because that's what happens here. They do nothing. They do nothing. Because why? They're, they're fearful. They're fearful. When you think about fear, fear is not primarily about us. Right? Fears are primarily about God. Fears are primarily about God. They hold God's character into question. They call God weak. We see that here. They call God basically non-existent. They defy him. They defy his church as well. And so the call, just as we see in this scene, is to do what? Is to stop cowering. To stand up to our fears, not allowing them to intimidate us into what? Unbelief. David was not intimidated. He was not intimidated. You see, a great truth that, that comes out of here is that we, when we realize that God is with us, there is a peace. There is a resting. You may even use the phrase, there, there is a waiting on God. And that's what David had. That's what we see in this moment. But when we don't understand or realize that God is with us or we don't believe it, what do we see? We see fear. We see even anger. We're going to see in just a second. And what results from that is, is chaos, is fleeing, is running. I mean, the army is fleeing, they're running. So fears are not primarily about us, but primarily about God. David was not intimidated. Now, the stand that he is going to make is not well received. It's not well received. In fact, he doesn't get applause by the army of Israel and say, that a boy, yeah, man, let's go. No, no. When he tries to stir up the men, he faces a reprimand. Look at verse 28. Eliab, his older brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned. And so you see one of his brothers, he's not stepping up. He's the oldest. He's a stud, right? He's not stepping up. He's afraid. He's running just like the other guys. And so we see his fear turn into anger. His anger burning against David, and he said, why have you come down here? Eliab's had enough, right, of his younger brother who was picked over him. And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Basically saying, get back to your shepherding, you shepherd boy, right? And then, I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in the order to see the battle. So here's David's brother, burning with jealousy, burning with fear, anger. He's angry at David. David's just there to feed him, <laughs> Check on him. Bring news back to dad. 
And David in the midst takes a stand. And how does David, how is David received? Not well. Not well by him, not well by the others. And so, isn't that the case many times? When we take a stand for the glory of God, or we're standing for truth, or, or we're living out integrity, whatever it may be, what, what happens, or who are the ones opposing us the most? It seems. Sometimes it's the closest ones to us. It could be family. It, it could be other Christians as well. And so David is reprimanded by his brother. And he doesn't roll up his sleeves and go at his brother. He turns away, it tells us in verse 30. And he turned away ultimately to do God's will. And so look at what happens next. So what is fueling this faithfulness? What, what is fueling this heart, this passion to take a stand for God in the midst of one defying the Lord? Look at verse 31. And we see this man full of courage. And what is this courage ultimately fueled by? Verse 31, it tells us, When the words which David spoke were heard, they told them to Saul. He sent for him, and David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, while uh, he has been a warrior from his Youth. And so David brought before Saul. He tells Saul that he will fight Goliath. But Saul says, hey, man, there's not a chance. You're just a young guy. This guy has been fighting battles. He's been a warrior since his youth. What was he telling David? David, you're not qualified to do this. You cannot do this. That may be so in the eyes of man, but God has another plan. God has prepared him. How has God prepared him? Look at verse 34. <clears throat> David said to Saul, <coughs> Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I want to pause there for a second. When a lion and bear came and took from the flock, what would your decision be? Let's say you got 100 sheep out there, and a lion and a bear come and take one, and the other 99, they're fine. They're hanging out. As a shepherd, what are you going to do? I'm going to tell you what I would do. Can I tell you what I would do? <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. Okay? Lion and bear, you can have that one sheep. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. 99, that's good. That's good. So imagine this text. I mean, this is amazing. I, I just, the, it's amazing. Um, I went after him. <laughs> David says, and attacked him, rescued it from his mouth, and when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard. Rawr. I mean, that's just, and I struck him, and I killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. That's a man. Right? Wow. Wow. God has prepared him as a shepherd. He's given him courage. This is what courage looks like. But where does this come from? I mean, we could read this text this morning. We could all get excited, right? We'd buy, you know what? I'm going to go 
live for God and, and stand in this God-defined culture today. And, that, man, I'm, and we could all build up our self-confidence today when we could really just be ready. But that would be wrong. Because that's not what was the source of David's courage. It's not why he was faithful. That's not why he had a heart that was so passionate after the Lord. It was because of this. In verse 37, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, may the Lord be with you. Where is David's confidence? It's in God. Where is his faith? It's in God. He trusts the promises of God. And the Spirit of God is most definitely with David. The Lord is the source of his courage. See, the other men lacked faith. They saw that Goliath was bigger than God. That's what they saw. But not David. He saw that God is bigger, stronger than this nine-foot giant. Isaiah 64.4 says this from Days of old, they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you, the prophet says, who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him, the one who hopes, the one who trusts in God. And maybe you're here this morning and, and your faith has maybe been lacking a little bit. Your confidence maybe has been lacking a little bit. Maybe you've forgotten some of the promises of God. And it, it's, it's maybe been a struggle to, to have courage or, or to have faith or to trust God in these days. And I want to remind you, Isaiah 40 says this in verse 28. Do you not know, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator, the ends of the earth, does not become weary. He does not tire. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous and young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. And they will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become Weary. Verse 41, I love this. Do not fear. Don't run away from the battle. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Do not fear. Don't think God's character is less than it is. Don't think that God's not with you. Do not fear. For God says, I am with you. I'm with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. What are you worried about? I will strengthen you. God says, surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. David believed that. He believed that. And so look what happens. In verse 38, Saul clothed David with his garments, put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with armor. 
David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. And David took them off. He took his stick in his hand, chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had had even in his pouch. And his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. The Philistine came on and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and with a handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? I love that. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, I want you to listen to this, You come to me with a sword, a spear, a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up in my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. Check this out, verse 46. This is kind of interesting. Did you hear it? What's the Lord going to do? The Lord will deliver you into my hands. Wow. Not the hands of the Israelites, because they're running. They're afraid but the Lord is going to deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, and all that the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Key right there. All the earth will know today that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into, now he says it, our hands. The battle is the Lord's. Proverbs 20, verse 22 says, wait for the Lord, and he will save you. David says that. He sees that. Or we see that with David. When we go our own way, what does it lead to? It leads to defeat. But when we trust in God and depend on his way, it leads to victory. It leads to deliverance. Isaiah 49, 23 says, those who hopefully wait for God will not be put to shame. Those who have confidence in God and trust in the Lord will not be disappointed. This was true for David. So David ran quickly in the battle. He met Goliath, took a stone, slung it, struck Goliath on the forehead. He fell face down. Goliath was dead. Scripture t- tells us that David then went and got a sword, stuck it in Goliath, cut David's head, or Goliath's head off. There you go. <laughs> wow. It's pretty graphic. The Philistines then all fled. And when they saw their champion dead, the Israelites went after the Philistines. And David's courage was ultimately fueled by what? Faith. Confidence in God. And what did it lead to? It led to victory. Our Goliaths are not against flesh and blood. It's not against other humans. In fact, we're called to love our enemies. That's what the gospel encourages us, calls us to do. Our battle is against indwelling sin. It's against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, Ephesians 6.12 tells us. Our battle is a spiritual one. And the same with David fighting Goliath. 
It was all about his trust in God. It fueled his courage. And so as we as Christians, as, as we battle against indwelling sin, as we battle against spiritual forces, how do we battle? We, we battle by faith. We, we battle by trusting God, by having confidence in God. And we kill it. We kill that indwelling sin by the grace of God. We say, you have no power over me. And the battle is the Lord's, and we trust in God to overcome the spiritual forces that come at us, aiming to kill them just as David did Goliath. But we do it by faith, by faith, by faith, as we trust and believe in the promises of God. Back in verse 46, I want us to just think about this as we close. David says this, before he takes down Goliath, he says that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. You see, the glory of God shine bright that day in this valley, on this battlefield, as God used a shepherd boy, and he called him out of Bethlehem to be anointed as king, to take down a giant foe of God. Does any of that sound familiar? Any of it? It should. To some of us, it should sound very familiar. Micah 5.2. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you will go forth from me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. God is going to bring a king, a ruler, who will be born in Bethlehem. An unlikely city. Insignificant, it would seem. Small. But God brings one from there to be ruler. And where is he from? From eternity. He has no beginning and no end. And his name is Jesus. And when God brought Jesus into the world, he chose this unlikely, insignificant place, Bethlehem. You see, that's what God uses. He uses little towns. He uses youngest sons. He uses shepherd boys. And he'll use even slingshots to do this, to magnify his glory. And also to show this, that he is not the least dependent on human glory, on human greatness, on human achievement whatsoever. See, Israel needed a shepherd to defeat Goliath. We need a shepherd. And God has sent Christ to meet that need. Jesus came as a king, though not recognized by all as king. Well, one day they will. And he came to take down a giant foe, sin, death, the enemy, and he would do it through a cross. On the hill of Calvary, Jesus would be victorious over sin, crush Satan's head, and then he would raise to life on the third day, victorious over death, so that we can say with the Apostle Paul, death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ.
out of Bethlehem shine bright the majesty of God. Like David, God is with those who humbly trust him. God has provided a way for us to be in relationship with him, and that's through his son. And today, if you're here and you've never trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible calls us to believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, to surrender our life to him. And so the call for you today, if you've never trusted and believed in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to believe today. Church, I want to encourage you as you think about the life of David to remember that God is with us 24-7. That we would simply be faithful. That we would live a life that cultivates faithfulness. Wherever God has you, whatever role you're in, wherever you work, whatever situation or circumstance you're in right now, that you would cultivate faithfulness. That you would have a heart that trusts God. That you are confident in the promises of God. That you would have courage to stand in a God-defined culture. That you would stand for the glory of God in a world that opposes Him. And just as the majesty of God shined bright out of Bethlehem, may it shine bright through your life. Let's pray.